What's up, my friends? Today is the day to get rid of anxiety forever. Destroy anxiety forever. You guys know me. I'm Beto Gudiño, and I bring you top God thinkers to destroy anxiety. Okay, so today we are talking to Jason. Jason, what? So I have five emojis, right? What is the... The biggest idea that you have today, and which emoji would you categorize it under? I'm going to categorize it under the blasphemous emoji, and that is that God is okay with your anxiety. That's blasphemous right there. <laughs> God is okay with your anxiety. It's a blasphemous idea. So what you're saying is God is not okay with your anxiety. Is that right? <laughs> I'm saying what, what we're realizing, what we know about anxiety is we have this idea that anxiety is the worst thing ever and we need to get rid of it. Mm. And we, if we try hard enough, then we can get rid of it. But the reality is, is uh, every one of us has anxiety. We have anxiety all the time about all different kinds of things. And the more mm. anxious we get about getting rid of anxiety, the more anxiety we're going to have. Wow. Even Jesus himself was anxious right before he went to the cross. And so uh, anxiety isn't something we have to somehow like pack up and try to get rid of. What we can do is we can learn to live with it in a good way, in a healthy way. And that's really different than a lot of us think. And it's a lot different than even what churches and religious people and Christians have said over the years. Because sometimes we put anxiety out there like it's like, the biggest sin in the world. Don't worry. That's a sin. We need to get rid of it. And mm. for anxious people like me, that just makes me more anxious and more worried. So God has a different plan. God has a different plan for what we can do with our anxiety. Love it. All right, you guys know me. Welcome to Christian Podcast. We are here with Jason Kusik, who is the author of The Anxiety Field Guide, Healthy Habits for Long-Term Healing. And you just heard the biggest idea that he has today is that it's almost like this idea that anxiety is here to stay and it's not necessarily that bad. That's that's the vibe I'm getting, right? <laughs> Right. Okay. That's right. Welcome, Jason. Can you just tell us a little bit of who you are, a little bit of what you do before we move on with destroying anxiety? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, I live in Southern California. I've been born and raised in Southern California. Uh, I'm, I'm married. I got three kids. And uh, for the last seven years, I've been working as a, a pastor at a church here in Southern California called Journey of Faith as their lead pastor. Um, and then years ago, I kind of started a lot of my career working in hospital chaplaincy. So my job was to go into hospital rooms and ERs and meet with families that were in the crisis situations and were in like the worst situations possible and just be with them and help them through that time. So I spent a lot of my work. And so uh, now I'm, I'm excited to work at this church. And then over the pandemic, you know, I, I, I wrote this book because about seven, about six or seven years ago, I kind of bottomed out with anxiety. 
I, uh, I got, uh, I was having panic attacks. I was having insomnia. Uh, my mind was racing all the time. And I suddenly realized I got to do something about that. So that's where this book kind of came out of. Wow. Okay. So do you think some of that anxiety was even, um, well, you just mentioned that you're a chaplain at a hospital, right? That you have expertise in that. Uh, so I'm a little bit familiar with that. Um, because the pastor here at our church is a chaplain for the cops, right? For the police mm -hmm. department here in uh, our city. Uh, So I'm familiar with this thought, which I'm going to say right now, and maybe you can elaborate on what that means to you. But this is my almost like my vision of what I witness from outside perspective. Okay, so is that people that are chaplains, you're dealing with people's emotions, anxieties, even mental disorders, um, right? People that I mean, in a hospital facing death, like facing death bed. So I think similarly, you know, a pastor that works as a chaplain, uh, there's a lot of getting to know people's stories so much that I feel this is just me. This is what I think. There's a little bit of callousness that happens because how do you carry so many people's <laughs> uh, struggles with you? You can't, right? Do you think that's a little bit of part of what your anxiety was like as uh, the, the one that you experienced, you said, seven years ago? Um, did it yeah, have to do anything know, with that? Yeah, I think I, I think it's connected. I mean, it's true. People that are in chaplaincy develop a little bit of thick skin, you know. Um, of course, it's easier to help somebody else that's in a crisis. But when we get in a crisis, then it ends up getting worse. You know, it's always easier to help somebody else. Uh, mm. But I think I've carried a lot of anxiety for a long time. I just never really even knew it. I was able to handle, you know, and, and even kind of healthily put up some boundaries so that I'm not as stressed out as, as other people were. But I think when I got into this new job, that's when it, it really hit me. And that's when I really started feeling it in myself. That's when I kind of bottomed out. Mm -hmm. So what does bottom down look like for you? What, what is the face of anxiety? Yeah. Well, I mean, I know for me, It was uh, my mind racing all the time. It, I was I was feeling it in my gut, my stomach. I was having digestive problems. I couldn't sleep. Uh, I was really restless. Um, I, I would have these panic attacks, which is kind of just when your when your brain and your body take over, and and suddenly you're just out of nowhere. You're just really not able to control yourself and and think straight. So I was having that that was uh, probably at the worst moment uh, of this time about six or seven years ago. And like I said, I didn't even know what was happening necessarily. I just knew I was overwhelmed. Uh, but, you know, for different people, it's different things. Um, some people uh, experience panic and anxiety in different ways. It can be mental, it can be spiritual, it can be emotional, it can be physical, you know, but that's what it was for me. So anxiety, it's a, uh... It's a little bit of worrying, like the the what's going to happen next? Because I feel like to an extent, I mean, we all feel some of that, right? I mean, wouldn't you say, I mean, you kind of said that at the beginning. That's something we all experience. So how do we know when it's borderlining something healthy to, okay, it's becoming unhealthy? Or how did you know? Or how do we help people find out when, when okay, you're excited, it's turning into something deeper that we need to address. Yeah. 
That's a great question because you're right. I mean, we all have anxiety. I mean, even before you started this podcast today, you you had some what we'd call healthy anxiety. You're probably your heart mm. was racing a little bit. Yes, you know me, man. <laughs> yeah, you know you're wired, wired up. Your brain's thinking. You're going well. That's good. That's healthy. Mm. Anytime you're getting ready to do something that's important to you, you have a little bit of healthy anxiety. That's good. It gives you energy. It gets your gets you focused. The problem is, is if you're so wired up and your brain's going so strong that you're having a problem doing normal things like, you can, oh, man, I just can't go to work or I can't do that presentation at work or I can't talk to these people. Or, you know, if you're in sales and you're like, oh, I can't I can't do these things or you get freaked out about your spiritual life. It's like, oh, I can't even pray. It's when the anxiety is so strong that it's messing with everyday life. Um. Everyday life is meant to have a certain amount of anxiety. That's how God wired us. That's how we're made. But when it starts interfering with our life and the things that we want to do, then it's a problem. Okay. Wow. That makes total sense. And I would say, so I mean, for sure, you were describing it accurately. You know, before I come on these shows and every time I do a show, right, there's, there's a little bit of that nervousness, the anxiety of... Even, well, getting to know somebody new, right? Because in this case, like the, the first thing, I mean, with people that are watching and, and listening, this is something you don't know, but be, the, because of the type of show that I do, there's always anxiety because I don't necessarily know the person I'm going to talk to, right? Versus if you have a podcast where it's always the same two, three people, in a sense, you're always knowing what to expect, you know, that, that next podcast episode that you do. But in this case, I I never know. I almost come just like, okay, who is it going to be? And you know, what emoji am, am I going to use? And I think that's why I use emojis because I think it helps alleviate of like, okay, you tell me, you know, if, if it's blasphemous, it is divine, you know, you come up with your own ideas. Because um, I feel like also the, the internet is plagued with opinions and people love opinions, right? When people have an opinion of something, it, it makes money. <laughs> it makes companies money. But uh, okay, so... What are some of the the healthy habits that we need to develop when when we see that anxiety kicking in, when we see those those nervousness kicking in, and when it starts getting to the unhealthy rhythms of you can't stop talking. I mean, you can't stop thinking about that one thing. Um, what were some of the things that helped you? Because I think I mean you have a guide that you wrote. So uh, can you navigate us through through some of those? Are there exercises? Are there no mental pictures we need to have? Like, what was it like for you? Yeah, I think one of the things that helped me right off the bat was knowing that a lot of stuff uh, that's happening when we're anxious is actually just our brain doing its job. It's just doing a little bit too well. You know, like before you come on the air, you're kind of getting anxious. Well, you don't have to tell your heart to beat faster. Uh, you don't have to tell your legs to bounce up and down. It just does it because your body's responding to that, right? And and in a normal way, we call that creative energy, right? You got some creative energy, that's good, you know? Mm. But there's times where the brain just kind of takes over, you know? So I think one of those, one of the things that I learned really quickly was there are some little like brain hacks that you can do that can kind of like reboot the brain, like deep breathing. 
it's it's not a it's not a, a fancy trick it's not a fancy technique but when you breathe deeply you're putting oxygen back into your blood and you're putting oxygen back into your brain and what that does is it kind of is like turning your computer off and on again you know it kind of regulates mm. it a little bit wow so when you're feeling anxious it's just a very physical way and that's right just breathe it in and you can kind of relax and it, it helps a lot. Yeah. So that's one of those things that's really helpful. Wow. I think the other thing too is, is just making a note maybe of when you get anxious and preparing for it. Because sometimes I've told some people, I did this in my life. I realized once I started making notes of my anxious thoughts, I realized there were certain days of the week and certain times of the day that I was more anxious than others. And so that helped me prepare. A little bit like, oh, I'm always anxious on this day or I'm anxious. Okay, then I can predict it. I'll be like, okay, here comes this day. This is when I'm normally feeling it. Um, Those are a couple of ways that stand out. Probably the other thing that really stands out too is learning that it's okay to have a thought or a feeling. You don't have to believe or own every thought or feeling that comes your way. So sometimes you're like, getting ready to do something, you get all anxious. Oh no, I'm going to fail at this. I'm going to fail at this. Just because you had a thought and a feeling that you're going to fail at it. You don't have to believe that. Mm. That's just a thought or feeling that came to your head. So I talk about this idea of observing before you own, you know, you get a thought of, Oh, I'm going to fail at this. You can go, Hmm, that's interesting that that thought of failure came into my mind. You don't have to say, I'm going to fail just because I thought that. So it's really kind of maybe distancing yourself from your thoughts and your feelings. Because uh, every one of us has crazy, weird thoughts and feelings that pop into our mind. Doesn't mean that's who we are. Or that doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, those are some things that really helped me in the beginning. Wow. Okay. So you're a pastor. <clears throat> and here's here's an idea I'm, I'm thinking as you're describing that. Um, it's almost like this this idea of what you think about you attract and I don't want to get too you know, metaphysical with like law of attraction and that sort of stuff, but it does ring a bell when you say, you know, what, what you think about you attract. But in this case, you're also saying not necessarily everything you think about, you need to pay attention to or start believing all those things you're saying or, or like, yeah, how do we balance, balance that from your vantage point? Like what is the, The middle ground. You're, you're so right what you're saying. I mean, we know this in everyday life, right? So somebody cuts you off. You're on the road. Somebody cuts you off. You go, man, I just want to ram into that guy, the back of that guy's car. Do you go do it? No, mm. hopefully not. Yeah. But I mean, uh, but you, but that thought came to your mind. Does that mm. thought mean that you want to injure that person? No. Does that yeah. thought mean that that is what you should do? No. Does that thought mean that's who you really are? No, it's just the thought that came into your head. Same thing with temptation. When you're feeling tempted to curse somebody out or, or, or go shoot up or go, uh, go have that extra drink or go onto the internet, onto that site that, that you probably shouldn't be on. Just because that thought came into your brain doesn't mean that's what you're supposed to do or meant to do, or that it's actually what you want to do. Mm. It just comes in and you can, you can, You can stop in that moment and you can just kind of have a moment where you just say, okay, let me, let me just be in this moment right now. Let me not just respond to whatever I'm feeling and thinking. 
And the same is true with anxiety. When we get those anxious moments, it's like there's thoughts and feelings that are coming to us and we can stop in that moment and just kind of take control. Now we say that's real easy. It might take some time to get used to being able to be in that moment because a lot of times our thoughts and feelings come and everything just goes so quick and then we're, we're out of it again or we, we've dived into something we shouldn't dive into. But learning to just kind of recognize those moments is really, really good. It's really helpful. Wow, it is. So as a pastor, would you say, how do you help people um, navigate that difference between um, anxious proclivity that leads to sin and anxiousness that doesn't lead to sin, right? So like uh, taking ownership of your thoughts and not acting upon that desire to do harm to others in a sense, right? Yeah. I, I mean, how do you balance that um, as a pastor, right? How do you help yeah. people like differentiate like the terms and stuff like that? Do people ever say, man, are you going to talk about sin and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think there's a big difference between desire and action. And there's a big difference between a thought and an action. Just because you thought it didn't mean you did it. Just because you felt it doesn't mean you did it. So I think as a pastor, what I try to talk with people about is how can you recognize when you're having a thought or a feeling that you don't want? And then rather than trying to get rid of that thought or feeling, or just go with that thought and feeling, what would it be like to just invite God into that moment? When you get overwhelmed with anxiety, what would it be like to just say, okay, God, I'm feeling anxious right now, but you're right here with me. Because sometimes we think if we're feeling anxious, just like any other temptation, sometimes we feel like if we're anxious, then somehow God's somewhere else. Um, like I said, with any other temptation, if you, if you're a recovering alcoholic and suddenly you get overwhelmed with the feeling to drink, somehow you feel like you're already away from God, but God's right there with you. You can be like, okay, God, I'm feeling this desire to drink. Thank you for being right here with me. And that gets rid of the shame because shame isolates us. Shame makes us feel like we're alone. Um, so, so I think in those moments of I try to tell people, if you can recognize when you're feeling anxious and just invite God to be with you in that moment, the anxiety might actually not go away, mm. but God can be with you in it and help you get through it. Wow. That's so good. So is these only, so two questions that pop up in my mind as you say that <clears throat> first would be, if you don't have God, like, how do you deal with anxiety? And the other one would be along the terms of like, uh, you know, you're a pastor, so I'm just going to use terminology that's typically in the Bible, right? Is yeah. there ever like demonic attacks? Is that part of anxiety? Is that just an interpretation of what anxiety could be? Um, is the demonic still happening today? Like all that sort of like realm pops up in my mind. But the first one would be um, the, what did I just say? <laughs> If, if you don't have God in your life, oh, how does yes, that relate? Exactly. So, I mean, the good part is there's stuff about anxiety that's just body, mind stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the spirit. I mean, we know people, we, people are getting treatment for anxiety all over the place and people can deal with anxiety and handle their anxiety. 
And it doesn't have anything to do with what they believe or their relationship with God. Because I believe God wants every human being to be able to not live in a constant state of anxiety. In fact, anxiety can get in the way of you actually saying yes to a relationship with God. So God wants everybody, no matter where they're coming from, to be able to not live in that anxiety so that he can have a relationship with them. So I think that goes back to just like every human being has a mind and a body and can take deep breaths and can kind of calm themselves and be able to work with that. Um, So I think that's possible for everybody. The second question is, how does like the demonic and spiritual warfare play into this? I actually had a conversation with a couple the other day and the husband was very much kind of in a spiritual warfare mindset. Anxiety is of the devil. The, the, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. We need to fight the lies that the enemy is trying to feed that. His wife, on the other hand, who struggled with anxiety, um, she believes those things, but she didn't feel like her anxiety was motivated by demonic things at all. She was like, I'm, I'm, the devil's probably like, go ahead, get anxious. I'm, you don't need my help. Uh. Um, so I think sometimes that can be a spiritual attack and other times nope it could just be something that's going on in our body and we just need to figure out how to deal with it but i think that would i'd want to get together with individual people and say tell me what's going on because i think sometimes um christians and spiritual people can kind of overemphasize the demonic and the spiritual attack and for people with anxiety that would just even add more stress and more anxiety to it um so sometimes it is it can be i think that stuff still happens today i think the enemy is alive and well i think spiritual warfare is a reality um and so sometimes it's that sometimes it's not and it's not one or the other because we in some ways you can't know it's kind of up for an individual to discern and decide through the holy spirit to figure out what's going on wow that's so good so it kind of goes on a case-by-case basis And but I I mean you're saying also it is I mean at least from your vantage point it is a uh, a valid perspective uh, not all the time but sometimes it is true there's there's demonic influences and stuff like that so I mean you want to say something yeah I I I I just want to back up exactly what you said I I I totally agree with you I mean there can be part of that we know biblically that Jesus engaged with people who were under some type of spiritual influence from the enemy. Uh, we know that's the case in the early church. We know it's the case today. There's no reason to think any of that's ended. Uh, the question is, what does that look like for us individually? And and sitting down with somebody and talking some of that stuff out and praying that out is really good. We don't want to have uh, the devil behind every bush, you know, where everything we're dealing with is from the enemy. But we do have to take seriously spiritual warfare and and the bible does tell us that we know the enemy's schemes meaning we we understand the kinds of ways or we should understand the kinds of ways that the enemy can attack us mm. and one of those ways he can attack us was by continuing to encourage us to believe things that aren't true mm. uh continuing to encourage us, us to have a view of ourselves that doesn't line up with who god says we are Um, and of course, anxiety can be increased when we're just doing unhealthy things in our life. Um, you know, drug use, alcohol use, uh, abuse of food, um, bad rhythms in our life. Like we're not sleeping well, we're not exercising, stuff like that. All that stuff 
that adds to anxiety. If we have, if we're overly focused on being successful and we're driving ourselves so much because money is so important to us, all of those things uh, are subtle tactics of the enemy Mm. to help us stay anxious. He might actually not be really even involved in our specific anxious moments. He just might be on the periphery encouraging us to stay too busy and, and to stay unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's incredible. So what would you say to people right now, especially in America, but in the world, right? But um, yeah, like the other day, you know, I was seeing the elections in Colombia were just happening and you know, they were maybe choosing a, a leftist president and whatnot. Uh, so whatever your political ideology is, so be it, right? But especially here in America, it's a fact that prices are going up, right? The gas is up. The cost of living, especially here in California, you're in Long Beach. If you go to to L.A., I mean, it seems like almost like world zone where there's you no know, homeless encampments everywhere, trash everywhere, graffiti, stuff like that. Um, and I resonate with that because the city I come from in Mexico has a lot of that, too. Right. Mm. So I, I don't think it's, it's, it's unique to these places. But uh In light of these schemes of the enemy, what would you say is helpful right now for our society to keep in mind as we go through a season, maybe even of, you know, some people are saying recession, you hear you no know, people in politics calling names to each other. Um, how do we help people stay healthy and stay, you know, deal with their anxiety and even the, uh, yeah, the lies of the enemy? Like uh, uh, what would be a good word of advice you can say for what we're experiencing right now. Yeah. I, the big thing that I've been camping on right now is just being able to have hope to really believe that, um, that there is something better coming. That's the, that's the thing that, um, that has fueled people of faith for thousands of years. And then the situation that we're in is really nothing like the situation that Jesus was in. Um, you know, Jesus was, a marginalized single man, not married, had no immediate, you know, children of his own. And he was living in a culture that was politically oppressed by the Roman empire. People were being crucified and hung on the streets. Poverty was rampant. Racism was rampant. Um, so he was living in, in probably one of the worst times in the world. And he said to his followers, I don't want you to be worried because God's going to take care of you. God takes care of you like he takes care of birds. And he says, look, look around, look at the birds. Now he wasn't saying, Hey, just don't be worried. Don't worry about it. I think Jesus was saying, I want you to look around and I want you to see evidences of God providing. And I think that's one of the things that we make a mistake on is a lot of times we focus on a lot of things that can only bring us anxiety. I mean, turn on the news or open up your phone and you're looking at your news feeds. It's all bad news. Um, so I think one of the things that increases our anxiety is we focus a lot on the problems and not on the solutions. Um, the Bible encourages us to focus on the things that are good and praiseworthy and pleasant. He said, Paul says in, in Philippians, think on these things and that will give you peace so i think all of us have a choice 
to look at what am I inputting into my life? Am I thinking and focusing on a lot of the bad things in the world? Am I thinking about and focusing a lot on the good things in the world? You know, when you think about it, I mean, even the current issue is like the abortion debate, right? So the abortion debates, everybody's going crazy about what's going to happen. You know, abortion rates are at an all-time low. We go, oh my gosh, what's going on? And people are sleeping together and having babies. Actually, premarital sex is on an all-time low. Wow. Well, look at all the problems in the environment. We got all these things. Actually, environmental and climate change has been improving, especially in the United States, for a long time. So again, it's not that um, we want to turn a blind eye to the problems, but we do need to say, hey, we're, we're actually making some progress here. There's actually some good things happening. And there are millions of advertising dollars going into marketing to get you anxious about stuff. I mean, think about the last news story you read. It was probably clickbait of bad news. And then you clicked on, there was no other good news. Where's the websites that are only talking about the good news? Mm. Um, So we need to control our input and we have a realistic understanding of what's actually happening in the world. Um, because God's doing great things. God's doing wonderful things in the world. Um, we talk about the problems in Iran. Oh my gosh, the, the nuclear armament in R- Iran, and and there's all this persecution in Iran. Uh, probably one of the countries seeing the most people coming to faith in Jesus is Iran. But you have to go look for that news, because the news that's going to be given to you is bad news. Wow. That's that makes total sense, man. So one is I have almost like, how do you know this? Are you a marketing person or what? But uh, also I'm a communications guy. So I know I'm in a, I know a lot about these things of um, fear. And even if I go back to like one of my first and favorite episodes, I was talking to Leonard Sweet and he's got a book on almost like you know, the volcanoes that are going to happen to Christianity in the coming years. Uh, but one of the things he says is, I, I forget the phrase because it's a little bit confusing, right? But he says almost like, good news is no news, right? Bad news is good news for the people that are making the money, right? And then he has another one that I forgot. But basically that idea of um, people pay attention for whatever reason. Maybe it's our CK, like our human CK, psyche, Um I'm saying it in Spanish, <laughs> a human psyche that uh, yeah. that leads into the, oh, what's going to happen here? And then, no, that anxiety starts kicking in and you want to know. And, you know, you start hearing like these conspiracy theories and it all makes sense. Right. And in a sense, I mean, that's that's almost like the more bad news there is, the more you're engaged to that. And so anyways, my question was, uh, what do you know about that? What do you say? No, tons of money are being poured into that type of um, media. Well, so it's, it, you're right. It's like Leonard Sweet says, and he's got, I mean, even trying to figure out how he's, he's got his sweetisms, right? Like his yeah. little sayings that he says that are so great. Um, but, but yes, that good news doesn't seem to attract as much as fearful news, because I think, I think ultimately there's something in the core of human beings that's about self-protection, mm. right? We want to protect ourselves. So if I have a chance to hear a good story or a warning, I'm going to be inclined to look at the warning 
because I want to protect myself from something bad that's coming. And then I figure, well, I'll have time to look at the good stuff. So I think, and again, that's not bad. I mean, God's designed our bodies for self-protection. If you walk into a dark room and somebody jumps out at you, you're going to react to protect yourself. You're going to get scared and your eyes are going to dilate and your heart's going to beat and stuff like that because you're it's fight or flight or something like that. That's good. That's a good gift. Um, but sometimes self-protection goes bad and we start focusing on all the bad things. And, you know, like you said earlier about the law of attraction, I was thinking about that when you're mentioning, it's kind of like um, algorithms, mm. you know, on your social media. So when you click on a bad story, or you click on some bad news or a conspiracy theory, the algorithm in your computer says, oh, you like that story? Oh, here's another one. You know, that's why I was just a while back, I said in the, in the, in the book that I was looking for some, some clothes online. I was looking for like a jacket and I clicked on a, an ad for a jacket. And then the next day it was like, Every other ad on my Instagram was for jackets. And it's like, I don't, I don't want a jacket. So our brain does the same thing. Our brain's like an algorithm. So it goes, oh, you, you were thinking about a bad thing? Oh, here's another bad thing to think about. And here's another bad thing to think about. And here's another bad thing to think about. And sometimes it just starts happening automatically. Now with Instagram or your social media, what you can do is you can hack the algorithm. So what you do is you start clicking on positive stories over and over and over again. And then the algorithm learns, oh, you like these positive stories. I'm going to give you more of them. Same thing with your brain. Some of us think about negative stuff all the time. Worst case scenario, all the problems, all the difficulties in the world. Your brain gets attracted to that. But what if you started shifting and saying, I'm going to start focusing on positive things, on good things, on holy things you'd start seeing more. It's a little bit like we were talking about with attraction. Uh, the more you're focused on what God is doing in the world in good ways, what God is doing in your life, the more of that stuff you're going to see. Mm. And that helps with anxiety. Oof. That is a bomb right there. I love it, man. Okay, so, because I tend to think, I mean, like, you know, going back to the Leonard Sweet saying, You know, we're so prone to bad news because of whatever, right? But on the other hand, the good news, this is, this is, I'm a, I'm a narrative guy. Like I love, you know, being on, on the internet and things like that. But from a narrative perspective, sometimes I feel like, well, what, what's the point of a just good story without any hardship, right? And essentially when you look at any story, if it doesn't have like, Uh, some sort of challenge in the middle, some sort of circumstance or an obstacle to overcome. It's not that amazing, right? It's not that great if it's just like, okay, I went out and the sky was blue, even though that's beautiful, right? But if I go out and the sky is blue, there's there's not really a story in that, right? The story is more like in overcoming. So what you're saying is we need to look at the positive, the good in the stories that are turning the negative into a positive. Is that kind of like what you're saying? Yes, because you're right. If we're talking about it in a narrative, there is no good news without the bad news. Mm -hmm. So like you can't have Easter without Good Friday. Mm -hmm. 
you can have, even in the creation story, we were talking about going outside and looking at the sky is blue. You don't get the sky being blue without the earth at one point being formless and void before creation. Wow. Right. So every store is, so when we talk about focusing on the good, if we just say, I'm only going to think about only positive things all the time, that's called toxic positivity. That's not good. That's a denial of the bad things. We're not talking about that. What we're talking about, we ultimately believe in the good news. And that is that Jesus provides us new life, but it's good news because Jesus dealt with our sin. So in every story, there's the obstacle to overcome. But if we get stuck on the obstacle, that's the problem. And a lot of our news stories get stuck on the obstacle. Hey, let me explain to you this big problem in the news this week. Here's the problem. And here's how everybody suffered. End of story. Wow. That is not what we people of faith say. We say, here's the problem. Here's the people that suffered. Here was the good stuff that happened. Here was how God showed himself true. And here's what we can do to try to help people who are struggling, as well as to see if we could prevent something similar in the future. And that's dealing with homelessness, mental illness, school shootings, natural disasters, all that stuff. A lot of the news stories, they end too early. Wow. A lot of the news stories end too early. Listen to that. That is epic. I love that. That's going to be like the tagline, man. <laughs> a lot of the news stories earn too early. Okay, so what in your own journey, even as you said, you know, the the seven years ago, like hitting rock bottom, what were some of the, the story was not over for you? So what were some of the elements that brought you back up? What were some of the the good elements that you started noticing that, that kind of like help you, help you get back up? Yeah, one of them was I, I got to really a bad place where I was even thinking that my life, my church, my family, they might be better without me. I didn't get to the point where I was suicidal, but I was kind of like wishing I wasn't around anymore. And so my friend, I told my friend about it. And my friend didn't freak out. He was like, hey, it sounds like this is bigger than you just being stressed out. That was a big thing of just having somebody I could talk to because a lot of the problems that we end up having, you know, the minute we start feeling like shame or guilt or temptation or loneliness, we just hold it in. We all need somebody that we can just share what we're really feeling and thinking and they don't freak out. And so that was one thing. And then the other thing is I found this great Christian counselor that specialized in anxiety because when you talk about anxiety issues like it's not just uh talk therapy you know sometimes we think of therapy like like okay tell me what you're feeling tell me what you're thinking stuff like that and that's great for some things but for me with anxiety that's just getting me more anxious because i'm thinking and feeling it all over again i met with a guy who was a specialist in anxiety and he said okay here's what we're going to do we can get through this there's some solutions and he started teaching me some of the skills And some of the principles, the stuff that ended up in that book, here's how we can deal with this. I said, am I going to have anxiety the rest of my life? He said, of course, everybody's anxiety. But you're not going to be controlled by it like this for the rest of your life. So I think having people in my life that I can talk with and then having professional people that have helped people 
with this kind of stuff. Same thing. You got a problem with your car. You're like, oh, my car broke down. You want to take it to somebody that says, oh, I've worked on these cars before. I know. I don't know how to deal with that. Oh, I can get this thing running again. Having those professional people in our life. Those were two really big things for me. Wow. That is so good, man. So having somebody that didn't freak out uh, when you came with the news, because those are pretty shocking, right? I mean, to say, to come to the point where you say, I don't know if my church family cares about me. I mean, as a pastor, right? And then yeah. the other one, I don't know if if I should be around my family anymore. Um, yeah. Wow. I mean, that is, is that, um, was that caused, I mean, by anxiety, but I don't know, I feel like a lot of people get into maybe like a depression state, right? Where it's like, what is it worth for? But almost like also your courage to bring it to to your friend. So what gave you that courage to even come to your friend and, and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling? Like, were you ever afraid of maybe even not voicing that out? I think in the past I might have been. The good part is like, I've worked really hard over the years to develop a couple of really good friendships that are there all the time. Um, I think sometimes we wait to find a really good friend when we're really struggling, but we kind of have to work on developing those friendships early and slowly opening up more and more a part of our life so that when we really get into a tough time, they're already there. You know, you're kind of like investing a little bit and a little bit. So those friendships are already there. So for me, it was helpful because that person was, that person was already in my life. I talked to, he's a buddy of mine. He's my accountability partner. I probably talked to him two, three times a week just to check in. Hey, how you doing? What's going on in your life? How's your marriage? How's your, your work? You know, how are you doing spiritually? And so we have that kind of relationship. So it was only a matter of time before he'd end up hearing about that. Wow. Okay, that is so good. And yay for your friend. So people, as you listen, you need those type of friends that you can almost like bring whatever you are dealing with and they're going to have a positive influence on you. So that is an amazing, epic uh, insight into getting rid of anxiety. And maybe, I mean, I think in a sense, your friend saved a life, right? He, In a sense, he saved your life. Would you say that? Yeah, I think I, I think what you said too about the depression is big because a lot of time, I mean, depression can be like, hey, I'm feeling kind of down and I'm feeling lonely and scared. But then also it can be like, I'm really in a bad place and I need some help getting out of this pit. And yeah, we, we need people in our lives. Um, and we may only have one or two people. Some of them might only be there for a season. Some of them might be there long term. But we need at least one or two people that really know us. And and hopefully we can be that for them too. Wow. Amazing. Okay, Jason, this is what we're going to do. We are, well, you are going to help us breathe in and breathe out. How about you do a breathing exercise right now? Great. Great. So close your eyes wherever you're at unless you're driving. And uh, just do this. Take a, take a deep breath in and you're going to hold it for three to five seconds. Here we go. Next time you feel stressed, next time you feel overwhelmed or you feel all alone, and if you feel like your brain is getting away from you, 
just do a simple hack. Breathe in and breathe out. It's like turning your laptop on and off again. Kind of right sizes the system. And when you breathe in and breathe out, kind of without even words, just ask God to be with you in that moment. He's already there. But just say, God, just be with me right now. You're not asking God to do anything or fix anything or correct anything. Just asking for a reminder that he's with you. And that can go a long, long way. That was so powerful, Jason. Thank you so much. I'm going to throw in my emoji reaction to this because that was just epic. And here it goes. It's the divine emoji reaction. Divine emoji reaction. That was just so good. Jason, just to kind of like wrap up the episode for fun, uh, we're going to do this. What would be... The most blasphemous, just to kind of summarize our episode today, the most blasphemous idea when it comes to anxiety in our lives. The most blasphemous idea is that God is okay with your anxiety. You don't have to be afraid. He's not, he's not judging you for it. He's not telling you you're the worst sinner in the world. He's actually okay with it, and he'll be right there with you in it. What are you skeptical of? <laughs> what am I skeptical of? Yes. Or where did you see skepticism played out, whichever fits? I am skeptical. I'm skeptical of Christians who pretend like everything's okay. Mm. I'm like, I don't think so. I <laughs> love it. Okay. Yes, we all struggle. Inspire. What makes you, what gives you hope or where do you see inspiration? Let me tell you, brother, you're inspiring me right now. I love this. This is so great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's the first time somebody mentions me as the inspired emoji. So yes, yeah. give yes. you props to that. You're, you're my yeah. favorite so far. You're my favorite so far. <laughs> That's so good. Okay. And holy, what is the holiest idea you can think of in the realm of getting rid of our anxiety the holiest idea is that you don't have to go someplace to experience god's love sometimes people oh if i could only go to jerusalem or if i could only go to church or if i could only go to this building you don't have to go anywhere to experience god's love because god is right there with you wow so good okay it's time to wrap up the episode And as you know, my friends, these are our emoji reactions. If you want to give me more inspired emojis, do so. Visit me at christianpodcast.com where our episodes are out every week. And then you can choose your own emoji reaction to the episode. And Jason, where do you want to point people to to get your book, to find out more about the work that you do or your church? You can go on amazon.com for the book. And our church is journeyoffaith.com. Those are the best places to get started. Love it. Okay, Jason, thank you so much for being on the show. This was epic. We destroyed our anxiety. 
the the part of anxiety that is bad, the part that is good, <laughs> keep it up. Keep it up with your anxiety, all right? My friends, this was amazing. I'll see you guys on the next one, all right? Let's dance it out, man. Here we go.